Hey there, welcome to the Marketers Take Flight podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Divin, founder of Marketers Take Flight and the creator of the Proposal Pro course. I am obsessed with helping AEC marketers just like you put order back into the proposal process, create winning strategies, and build the confidence and courage to advance your career. Each week, I will be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews to fly through the proposal turbulence and have your career take off. So let's dive right in. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Marketers Take Flight podcast. And in today's show, this is actually part two of my conversation with my colleague, Raina Blair, on how to lead change at your AEC firm. Part one was episode number 29. So if you haven't listened to that episode, hit pause right now, go back and listen to that episode number 29. In that episode, we talked about why changing processes and systems at our AEC firms are so hard. And we talked about Raina's philosophy or approach that she takes when she's working with a new firm where she knows she has to change their entire processes and the actual stages that we go through. And we talked about the change curve and some examples to kind of get behind the psychological things that we feel as humans as we go through change. So you want to make sure that you go back and listen to that episode. Again, part one, how to lead change at your AEC firm, episode number 29. Now in this episode, we're going to continue our conversation and we're going to talk about some ideas that Raina has about how to get buy-in to make the changes you need at your AEC firm and some of the ways that she has used that you guys could probably use today. I call them like low-hanging fruit that you can take to make start making some changes in your firm today. So you want to make sure that you listen to this episode as well. So without further ado, here's part two of my conversation with Raina Blair. So a lot of times we hear, you know, from other podcasts or presentations or conferences, before you want to make any changes or roll out a CRM or a new program, you need to get buy-in. You got to get buy-in. How do you get buy-in? Or how do you approach getting by for changes that you need to make? I've always tried to steer clear of the term buy-in. That's because it implies there's some, some mutual exchange for which parties will be mutually satisfied. That's actually not always the case. So the need for buy-in and actually getting the buy-in isn't, isn't really what we're doing. We're actually going on a journey. It's not a place that we're going to and buy-in really implies this one and done finality that doesn't really exist. Dr. William Bridges writes, in my experience, senior management's failure to take full account of the people impacts of a change initiative is a significant cause of failure. Now that's a lot of big words, but we have seen that you and I in what we do in every firm. If senior management is not fully behind the changes that we need to affect in the firm, if mom is not fully behind the changes dad wants to make in the family, it's not going to happen. We can work really hard. We can try to set it up so that we prove it to them, and then maybe they'll fall in and everything will be okay. But the truth is, if senior management wants it done, if senior management supports it and acknowledges it, and works toward it with as much effort and fervor as everyone else, it will be successful. So what we need 
is participation, not buy-in. The firms that are out there, right? You've got, got a variety of firms, variety of sizes, even the coast they most closely identify with, right? Sort of has an impact on the culture, as well as the individual people inside of the firm. They need support. They need to know that this has been thought out. They need to know that someone cares about what they're thinking about and how they feel about it, what the consequences are for them as individual employees. And they want to understand and they want to know and be assured that senior management has got their back or is at least willing to acknowledge that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. The best way to do this is to communicate hands down. It should be frequent. It should be clear. It should be concise. Our initial communications should be, look, we're making a change and here is why. It should acknowledge that we don't know what we're changing exactly. We just know what their end result is. And it should be an invitation, an invitation to go on the journey. This thing isn't happening outside of you, team participant. This is happening because of you. And really being honest about that messaging and really living it, how you organize the team, how you conduct the team, how you communicate with the team is, is super important. It goes a long way. In that, helping the team to understand, and this, this may be something that you need to do visually, is to help the team understand that you are on a journey. There is a road. It may be curvy, twisty, and turny. Maybe even just show it like that. <laughs> this is us. This is where we want to go. Show that there's some setbacks and some, some elongated pit stops and side trips, right? This is the way this journey is going to look. Give some realistic expectations, I guess, is, is, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I, this just sounds like a management manual, but in the context <laughs> of change, it's important <laughs> earlier I talked about that skepticism where we're almost there to the point of acceptance and they've even been contributing, but they seem to have, uh, there's a little bit of recidivism, if you will, Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of going backwards. This is where listening becomes very, very important. I mean, it's always important, but actually hearing out what they have to say or provoking them to speak because that creative opposition People come up with all sorts of things. They're, they are speaking. You just have to listen and hear where they are. But people rarely talk openly with their arms folded. Usually it's arms folded, mouth closed, right? Right. So you have to listen to what they don't say. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> have to explore a little bit, provoke some responses that will tell you where they're coming from, where they're at, where they're stuck. So the buy-in isn't really a thing. It's just doing, I think it's doing a decent job as a decent human to your colleagues and your employee team members and even your consultant to go down this path with you. That's, that's just organization, I think. Yeah. There is one more thing. We always talk about the what's in it for me principle. Mm-hmm. It's so important to be honest here. Think about it. You know, telling somebody, well, what's in it for you is that you're going to be way more efficient, which means you can work harder. That's not really. (laughs) We can give you more work so you can get it done faster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So think about those words before they come out of your mouth or in a memo and, and be honest with yourself about 
you know, there may be some adverse effects on, mm-hmm. on some of the team members. If you, if you didn't already figure that out, really be looking for those because they will often know before you know, and they'll often get stuck there and they may appear to be coming along with you. But if they understand that there are adverse effects on them, they can, in a way, fake it to get you right to the enthusiasm stage. And, you know, that's the point where in a group, we always have the one straggler and we think, well, she'll come along. We just got to march forward. She'll come along. And then she can ultimately upend the entire change, mm-hmm. no matter how long that we work. It is probably clear at that point that we did not do enough to address the what's in it for me. I always like where management's making big changes and they say, well, <laughs> if we make this change, we're going to lower the overall operating cost of the organization. Okay. Does that mean I get a raise? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does that mean operating labor decreases too? <laughs> exactly. What exactly is that? So you've got to use you've got to use language that makes sense and is honest and mm-hmm. addresses what it actually can. Not that I want to spend what somebody says, but it's gotta be it's only a benefit as if it has a direct positive benefit on on the work life of an individual. So, you know, if you're trying to lower your overall operating cost because you need to return a profit, right? Evaluate what you can do with those lower overall operating costs, Mm -hmm. right? Can you pay more attention to some of the softer sides of things? If you're not in meetings every day talking about how you're going to raise the profit level by 7%, Could you spend that time doing a better job with evaluating and helping your employees chart their future? Is that something that you're willing to commit to? And and it's it's not because you want to tell them something you want to hear. You you really want to make these changes to benefit the employees. So think about what the benefits actually mean Mm -hmm. and communicate those. It's almost like putting them into an individual level, like a corporate level. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There are only humans involved in this, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> we, we can get the software to do anything we want, but it's, it's humans that are involved in the change. So there is no way other than the individual level. Yeah. Okay. So what are some ways we have listeners here that probably need to make some changes inside their firm? So what are some ways or some quick wins or some low-hanging fruit advice that you could give them that maybe they could start working on today? Hmm. I have a friend, Adam Blackwood, who I always ask for technical advice, like when my computer isn't working. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I ask them the same same questions twice because <laughs> every day is a different day between Microsoft and Google, right? Yeah. And so Adam, I don't know if he's a change management consultant. I thought that he was in marketing, <laughs> but he always says, Raina, you need to make up your mind to change. And and he says it like a 90-year-old grandpa, but he's really only like 38. Um, <laughs> he's all, you got to wake up every day. You got to be committed that you are not going to go to bed the same person you were when you woke up. Learn something new and apply it to something new each day. Now, I still mm-hmm. have some issues uh, with the computer, but... <laughs> what his speech is, is, you know, because I'm often complaining about how I'll never understand it and never going to be able to do it. And I've given up, right? When it comes to all things technical. And his thought process is, is that if I choose change, 
that if I choose to be able to master something, that if I choose to set my mind toward change as a way of life, then I'm 50% there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, if if you're thinking about changes, really spend some time truly understanding why it's necessary to change. If you can't answer the question clearly, if you can't explain it to a stranger, maybe it's not clearly enough defined to start with that change just yet. Mm, yeah. If I decide I want to drive to your house all the way from California, I have a variety of methods, right? Depending on the time of the year, I may take the northern route or the southern route. I may make some side trips along the way to see the world's biggest rubber band ball. You know, there's a, <laughs> a variety of ways that I can get there, but I've got to know that I'm going to Lindsay's house. And I've got to know why I'm going to Lindsay's house. I mean, we work together now. It's just easier if we just live in the same house, right? (laughs) It would be more efficient Mm -hmm. if we were together on the same time zone so that we could just become a full-on powerhouse. I know that. Mm -hmm. That's going to help me figure out how to get there. Do I need to get there fast? Do I need to see a few things along the way because we'll be working all the time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I know, I still know that I'm going to Lindsay. Don't have to know exactly how I'm going to get there. If I can't decide, if I can't communicate why I'm going to Lindsay's house, if it's something that's still too soft and malleable, maybe it's time to wait to let it mature a little bit. Another piece of low-hanging fruit, if you're thinking about something that is clearly defined, try to break it up into small digestible pieces. There's a a few reasons for this. Number one, we've said try to help people understand this journey. Try to basically engineer it so that you can have some wins, some milestones. You want to keep that group encouraged. You you want to keep them kind of at that that pinnacle of the the curve. You want to make that the longest part of the curve and not the the first part where we're anxious over the whole affair. And earlier, you know, we were talking about sort of making a series of curves so you have a wave that you're always Mm -hmm. taking energy from the last curve to help push you down and back up on the next curve, that may be another reason for breaking things apart. It's difficult sometimes when we when we go into firms, we know there's a lot of change to happen. Usually we have a schedule, the board has said it needs to happen by this particular time, or there's mm-hmm. a limited amount of budget or something like that. And oftentimes you and I are kind of forced into just kind of making this change happen right now. (laughs) And we know that our time is limited internally to the firm. I think you have more luxuries with that. You can take the time to do the communication and the listening and the plotting and the planning so that you can guarantee your own success. And you can do that by breaking it up into smaller pieces. Yeah, I love that. So (laughs) it's too overwhelming. It is. And I, I think what a lot of what doesn't happen, right, in terms of managing the changes, we, we put a lot on ourselves. We often make deadlines and due dates long before we really know what it takes yeah. to get it done. And and that puts us under a tremendous amount of pressure. And, and, and we may get the job done, but it'll tell you what suffers is, is managing that change, which leads me to my fourth point. Now, I say solicit more negative reactions sooner in the process because I just want to get them out of the way and try to handle them. But really, really what we're doing is is talk to people sooner in the process. Try to not make up your minds 
about how things are going to go and what the entire eventuality is going to be before spending a little time doing a little focus grouping, Mm -hmm. you know, understanding what people's initial reactions are. We all work together in these organizations of every size and even a one person shop doesn't work truly alone, right? There's other people on the team. So soliciting the, the advice, the reactions, the thoughts, the more of that that you can do now as you're thinking about changes that everybody may know need to occur. But as you, as you begin to really chart out what that may look like, talk to people. Wow. (laughs) I am blown away. We can just sit and keep talking, but I know we need to stop at some point. (laughs) I know you and I talk about this all the time. I want to thank you for your perspective and sharing your knowledge of this. You have a lot of experience with, I know you don't call yourself a change management professional, but really that's what you're doing every day with firms across the country. So you have a lot of experience and you've seen all the different people on the different curve. I'm sure you've witnessed people go through every stage on the curve. And I'm hoping now that you've explained that to our listeners that they can start recognizing it too, because I think it will help the changes they're trying to bring in their firms. True. And who is the architect of the change, if you will, maybe you're the leader, whatever. When you are feeling frustrated, downcast, it's helpful to pull out the chart and look at it and sort of say, okay, not where I thought we'd be, but it's where people are, Mm -hmm. right? And recognize how much of that is is not about you. It's It's about individuals and humans, how humans behave, how you're behaving. And it kind of gives you something to address. So you keep it in front of you to keep you going. That's great. Okay. I don't want to take up any more of your time today. So I'm going to turn now to our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So question number one, what is your number one piece of advice that you would give to marketers who are new to the AEC industry? Be curious and ask why. Love it. Love it. Simple answer. So powerful. Question number two What has been your favorite or most memorable win? It's not my win. It's like our win. The last eight months working with you has been amazing. The two of us working together, doing what everybody has traditionally thought are two separate disciplines, which are like cats and dogs. We're working together. That's a huge win for us. And and the only reason we're working together is the successes and the changes that other firms are making and basically pulling in and depending on each other more across departments and functions. And you and I get to be a part of that. And that is unprecedented in this industry. So it's a huge one for me. We're really, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but we're really fostering a lot of really cross-departmental collaboration, like true collaboration at a lot of the AE firms that we're working with. Absolutely. As soon as we can travel, we're going on world tour. (laughs) Okay. And then last question for today, what are you excited about? I've just found out I'm getting married in 15 weeks and 24 days. My partner has a visa. (laughs) Um, So he will be coming here from Australia. So we have to figure out how to plan a wedding that no one can attend. Get him here from a country that's locked and closed into one that should be locked and closed. And do it all 
I guess with some technology and and maybe maybe something fun. So since all bets are off, I think I'm just gonna go wild. Yeah. When you told me that last week, I was like almost fell out of my chair. I was like, like, oh my gosh. So congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Good luck with the this is like I think it's gotta be like an epic COVID wedding. You know, I don't know anybody else. I know people have gotten married, but not like from Australia in the time deadline from the government. Right, right. So I left Australia in in the the very end of February. And the reason I split us uh, apart for a while is I wanted a wedding. Mm -hmm. I wanted enough time to plan a wedding, to have his family come from Australia, to have my, my parents there, all my friends and my family somewhere in California or Hawaii. So I, it was my doing because I had to have this fairy tale. So <laughs> that, that didn't work. <laughs> we're thinking that we're going to do something fun or we're actually thinking that we might, that there is a show on TV called the 90 day fiance. We're thinking that we might have a reality show that, you know, just has five minute installments for the next, I don't know, 12 weeks, culminating yeah. in, in the wedding on the courthouse steps. Well, love it. Well, I'll be following along. I know that. <laughs> well, thanks again for being here. I know you and I talk almost daily, so I'm going to talk to you again later. But thank you for coming on the show and sharing, being so open and sharing so much information. Hopefully our listeners will think differently now and approach change management a little bit differently. So thank you again. Thank you, Lindsay. Don't be afraid of change. Be afraid of staying where you are. Okay. Well, thank you again to Raina, my colleague. She's just fantastic to work with. And I'm so glad I was able to get her on the show and pull out a bunch of knowledge from her because she really does guide firms through super big changes and sometimes not in a lot of time. So she just kind of knows how to bring that delicate empathy as well as strong hand to those system changes. So thanks again, Raina. Again, this was a two-part conversation. Part one was in episode number 29, and this was part two. And you can find both. I'm going to link up in the show notes pages, Raina's bio, her contact information, as well as some of the resources she talks about, the change management curve, Dr. William Bridges, some of the other things that she mentioned. I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes pages over at marketerstakeflight.com slash 29 or marketerstakeflight.com slash 33 for each show notes, or they'll be linked in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. So I really hope you enjoyed this series. It was a little bit different. It wasn't necessarily marketing or business development, but I think because us as leaders in the marketing and business development departments, we are sometimes trying to change process. So I thought it was very applicable for our needs. So if you liked the show, please leave me a rating or review and make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Okay. Bye for now.